Oh, is that Grosvenor 5995? Yes. Can I speak to the man in charge? In what connection? Eh? Why do you wish to speak to him? The old man's been run over by a lorry. Are you sure you've got the right number? Yes. Ain't you assignments unlimited? We are. That's it. I've got the assignment. You see, the old man was run over by a lorry, broke both his legs, and went... Just a minute, madam. I think you'd better come round and see us. All right, then. Where are you? 33 Half Moon Street. Marge Willis could have stepped out of the first act of My Fair Lady. She crept into the office like a, a shrouded field mouse, her nostrils twitching and her bright beady eyes darting hither and thither as though in search of some hidden danger. Drooping millinery adorned her head, flapping despairingly and appearing to cogitate on better days and grander owners. She sniffed and cleared her throat and rustled her voluminous apparel towards my desk. Appraising me with a critical eye, her mouth split into a marshalled row of gold fillings as she said, You the gent they calls Aubrey Mason. I am. And you must be Marge Willis. Well, it's me old man. He got run over by a lorry. Well, won't you sit down, Mrs. Willis? Uh, it is Mrs. Willis. Two some. Marge is what they calls me. Thanks. <laughs> There's no need to dust it, Marge. Uh, the cleaners come in every morning. No. Yes, they wouldn't a posh place like this. Fourth of Abbott, I suppose. Oh, that's better. Haven't had me weight off me plates all day. Plates? Plates and meat. Feet. You ever been in the barrow business? I don't think I'm acquainted with it. Orkin, you know, flogging from a barrow. Uh, no, Mrs. Uh, Marge. That's one branch of commerce I haven't yet tried. Pity. You see, I want to hire a reliable bloke on the barrow. Come to think of it, you look a bit of a Charlie orking greens round Walthamstow. But I was told you could dig up a bloke for any sort of job. I can do that. You see, my old man got run over by a lorry uh, Marge, I... yes. before you tell me all about it, I feel I should warn you that Assignments Unlimited is not a labour exchange. We only undertake special jobs, and of course we charge a special fee. Oh, lollies, no trouble. I pay 15 quid a day for the right bloke. Is the, uh... Barrow business all that good. Better if you got the right pitch. And that's the trouble, you see. My old man got run over by a lorry and broke both his legs. Now, he's got pitch 48 on the Walthamstow High Street. And the ticket comes up for taking on again in a week's time, you see. And if the pitch ain't taken on for the whole half year, then any piker can nip in and stitch it. And it's a corner, and you don't get corners anymore. Oh, and if my old man loses his pitch on account of some snitcher, uh, he won't half give me what for when he comes out of the hospital. Oh, I think I understand, Marge. You want a substitute for your husband for a week, and you're willing to pay for it because it means you can renew your license if the corner stand is continuously occupied. Well, that's what I said, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I suppose you did. Well, have you got a bloke? Yes, I have, Marge. Uh, where do you want him to report to? What's he like, this bloke? Well, let me see, uh... Well, Cannon's doing nothing important at the moment. He ain't a toff like you, is he? He's an American. Oh, a yank, eh? <laughs> they don't flog off barrows, do they? No, but this man's lived in London for some time. I think you can quickly show him the ropes. Can he handle himself? He gets rough on the pitch now and then. I'm sure he can cope, Marge. Right. Tell him to come to 27 Needle Street, South Walthamstow, at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning and pick up the barrow. 
I'll have the greens loaded, and he can knock me up for the winkles. Winkles? Yes. We do winkles and whelks on the side. But you can't keep them in the shed, you know. Well, where do you keep the barge? Under the bed, out of the way. But I'll show him. You want the lolly now? No, no, later will do. I've made a note of the address, and I'll see that he's there at five o'clock sharp. Oh, well, I hope there's no trouble over him being a foreigner. Oh, then there's lots of yanks about since the war, ain't there? Oh, well, I feel better now. I couldn't afford to lose that corner pitch. You don't know my old man, do you? I've never had the pleasure of his acquaintance. Well, I hope your bloke likes the flogging job. He's always interested in your assignments, Marge. But I'll bet in his wildest dreams he never thought he'd land up being a burrow boy. The following morning at five o'clock sharp, complete with cap and muffler, he knocked on the door of 27 Needle Street. All right, just a minute, just a minute. Ooh, oh, you're a big one. You for Mr. Mason? That's right, Cannon's the name. <laughs> well, uh, what's so funny? Oh, the way you talk. <laughs> You get used to hearing yanks on the pictures, of course, but oh, when you meet them face to face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, um, I got an assignment to collect a pushcart. Pushcart? That's what they use for nippers. You got a barrel cock, and that's a sight bigger than a pushcart. Come with me. Uh, don't you, uh, don't you want to get changed first? What, it's five o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I'm good enough in me penny. Here's the shed over there. Now, careful when you go in. Okay. Jenny doesn't like her beauty sleep disturbed. You, uh, you got somebody living here in this shack? Jenny. A jackass? Yeah. Don't you go calling me donkey word names. Jenny was a great comfort to me when the old man was doing a six on the moor. Well, don't just stand there. Lug out the wheeler. Um, look, I, I got an admission to make, Mrs. Willis. Marge. At Marge. I've only been in England for a few years. I uh, I haven't got a grasp of the language yet. You get a grasp of that there barrow, or you'll hear some right language from me, I can tell you. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the barrow. <laughs> Mrs. Willis, um... Oh. Well, where do I suppose she went to? <laughs> this is some job. And to think I've got to lug this all the way to the high street. Well, if they talk like Marge... I should improve my knowledge of colloquial English to a degree. Talking to yourself, Mr. Cannon. Huh? Oh, that's a bad sign. Do you drink? Well, if I didn't, I got a hunch I'd start right after the day's work's done. Well, you watch it. Now, let's check the barrow. Only cash, see? No pay laters. The greens are all where you see them, and everything's got a price written on. The scales at the end there, see? Yeah, I see. Now, if you find the carrots or the beans ain't going well, you can drop but you don't change the price of the Welks. Even if Sid Lippman next year is selling at half the price. Got uh, it? Carrots, beans, uh, scare... Uh, yeah. yeah uh, hmm? No, wait a minute. What, what's a Welk? Oh, you don't know what a Welk is? Blimey. I might have known. What do they feed you yanks on when you're home? A Welk is a thing in a shell. Here. These things, see? They come from the seaside. South End, most likely. I cook them. And then you pull them out with a pin. Oh, I see. Here's half a dollar for half a pint and a wad at lunchtime. Oh, and don't let anyone near the stall except them that wants to buy. <laughs> see you back here at eight o'clock. Um, did you say eight o'clock? What's the matter with you? You got cloth ears? Eight o'clock this morning? No, you nick tonight. Right, off you go. Okay. Five in the morning to eight at night. That's fifteen hours. 
Oh, the chief's not going to make much profit out of this bad boy. No, sir. Okay, Cannon, trundle the wheels of commerce. Cannon, unsuspectingly thrust upon a world of strange customs and indecipherable jargon, was in an evil temper when, sweating profusely, he finally steered the Costa's barrow into the Walthamstow High Street. Fifteen quid a day. I don't need my head with. I need a private panel of phrenologists. Well, there it is. Now all I do is stand and wait for the customers. If there are any customers. Good morning. Hmm? Oh, good morning, ma'am. Uh, uh, greens, Winkles, Welfs. You're new here, aren't you? <laughs> ma'am, I'm greener than the greens. I thought so. You haven't put your price markers up yet. Hmm? The prices you're charging, it's marked on the tickets, but they're still lying face down on top of the vegetables. Oh, hey, you speak English. So does everyone in Wolfenstow High Street. <laughs> Ma'am, I got news for you. You're American, aren't you? Well, that's what everybody says, so uh, I guess they must be right. <laughs> uh, hang on, I'll fix the uh, the price markers. Do you, uh, you work here too? Oh, heavens no. I shop here. I usually buy from Mr. Willis, but he hasn't been here for the past two days. No, he broke his legs playing touch with a truck. Oh, well, I am sorry. Are you looking after the store while he's indisposed? That's right, ma'am. Cannon the Coster, that's me. Well, Mr. Cannon, now that you've got all the prices up, I'll make a few purchases. You can always remember me as your first customer. Now, uh, how can I remember you if I uh, if I don't even know your name? Is that necessary? Oh, yes. It's uh, it's a good customer-costa relationship. <laughs> you know, despite that cap and muffler, you don't look the least bit like a costermonger. <laughs> well, that's the first kind thing that's been said to me today. You just me take off the cap. There. Any improvement? Hmm. Not an East End haircut. Oh, take off the muffler. No? Oh, a silk shirt and tie. And I'd say it a guess, a saddle row suit under the overalls. Mr. Cannon, you'd better get back in disguise. You'll frighten your customers away. Well, that's great. So long as I don't frighten you away, uh, uh Miss... Uh... <laughs> All right. Corin Langley. Now to business. How much are the Welks? Welks? Hey, now, you don't eat well. Of course, all Londoners do, especially my clientele. Clientele? You use a word like that in Walthamstow? Well, I buy certain commodities for a group of hotels. That's my job. In some hotels, it's caviar, and in others, folks. It's as easy as that. Yeah. Don't handle the greens. Leave them on the wing. Uh, Welks. Now, if I can look over your shellfish... Hmm? Oh, sure, sure. Help yourself, Carl. You pick them over as much as you want. Uh... I don't have a pin, though. Oh, I'm not going to eat any. Just see which are the best. Oh, I see on the card that they're five shillings a quart. Well, that's considerably more than Mr. Lipman on the next store is selling at. Well, Carr and I, uh, I've got my orders. Sure. I can't sell them at less than the price marked, you see. But, well, maybe I can make it up by knocking something off the greens. Oh, I'm only interested in wealth, Mr. Cannon. Okay, here we go. Five quarts coming up. Oh, that looks wonderful. Five quarts at five shillings, that's 25 shillings. There you are. Thank you. Hey, you nearly brought me out. Say, uh, I'll finish here by eight tonight, so uh, how's about you and me taking in a shot? 
Mr. Cannon, I never associate with common costumes. Hey, now, just wait a minute. <laughs> this afternoon, Mr. Cannon, I'll be back, and perhaps with a change of heart. Just let me think on the Savile Row suit and the other civilized trappings under that rough Costa exterior. I promise you the best Chinese dinner you've ever eaten. Why Chinese? Well, ma'am, I couldn't look upon a spoonful of spinach ever again. <laughs> the color green makes me see red. The word chlorophyll has been smitten from my vocabulary. From now on, I'm strictly a non-vegetarian. <laughs> well, you'll get over it. Later, Mr. Cannon. Okay. Wow, what a dish. Never saw a day so full of beans. Beans? Oh, no. What the... Oh, it's you. Can't fill you up again, Mr. Cannon. Oh, there. The boat tray's full again. Yeah. You, uh, you don't waste any time, do you? Oh, in this racket, time and money goes together, mate. And if you don't watch the money, you're like enough to wind up doing time. Warning was buzzing in Callum's brain. His subconscious was struggling to reconstruct something that had happened during the day that wasn't logical. Of one thing, Cannon was certain. All was not what it appeared to be. In some strange way, the greens glowed for danger. In the early afternoon, Marge returned to Cannon on the barrow. Hello there, big boy. Trade's brisk, eh? <laughs> You're good for business. Half the alley's come along to buy from you, because they want to hear you speak. Yeah, it makes me feel like a sideshow. Oh, don't really worry you, mate. How's the taking? The other one? The lolly. How much you got? Oh, um, eight pounds, eleven ninepence. Hand it over. Help yourself. It's in the drawer under the barrel. Okay, big boy. <laughs> Had any trouble? Only selling the works. Trouble with it? Well, the trouble is, Marge, nobody will buy them. Lipman next door is selling at half price. Let him. Don't you come down in price. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I guess you do it then. Oh, and, uh, by the way... There's a little guy over the road lounging on the corner. Oh. He's been there all day, and he spent the time watching me like a hawk. Show me. Over there, you see. That's Wally Perkins. He's copper's narc. The police? No, no. He watches where the coppers tell him, and then he splits on his mates. Oh, a stool pigeon. But uh, why is he watching me? Well, because you knew, I suppose. Oh, don't let him worry you. He won't see anything here. Well, there's nothing to see, I guess. That's right, big boy. And if it gives you any trouble, I'll put his eye in a sling. Well, you're more than halfway sold. You might even finish early. Yeah? At five bob a quart, I'll be sitting selling seashells until this time next year. A cannon that can't get rid of his shells. <laughs> I'll be back later, big boy. Very funny. I should have stayed in bed. That dame's right out of a comic strip. Somebody should put her back again. Or rub her out and draw her again. Oh, Con. Hey, the rain's in Spain. Rain mainly in the plains. Are you all right? The English language. You're only the second time I heard it today. But everyone finds Cockney jargon terribly amusing. Yeah, they like to hear Italian grand opera, too, but that always finishes after a few acts. Well, can't you finish when you're sold out? Well, then, if they were oysters, I might run up a sign saying, Find the lucky pearl. (laughs) As it is, who wants whelks for the price of caviar? do. Those who told me this morning were excellent. I've come for another lot. Oh, Karen, I, uh, I know you want to do me a favor, but, uh, I won't let you. You see, that old schmo next door is selling the same thing at half the price. What do you know about English seafood? Mm-hmm. I want five quarts. Okay, five quarts coming up. That's twenty-five shillings. There we are. Thank you very much. <clears throat> But, Colin, it's daylight robbery. You can't take those things. It's positively dishonest. Because Lipman is selling them cheaper. What else? 
What else? Okay. Hey, tonight, <laughs> did my lady wrestle with her conscience and ordain to tangle with the humble proletariat? She did, my lord, and she thanks you. A Chinese dinner sounds splendid. <laughs> you know something? That cockney noise is beginning to sound like a symphony. The captain's cabin in the haymarket, okay? What time? Uh, 8.30. Will you have the barrow back in time? I'll run all the way. Well, the barrow will be empty. Except for the shellfish. But they'll have been here so long by then, they can run behind. Oh. All right, Mr. Cannon. I'll be there. 8.30. Okay. Oh, boy. Into each life some sunless shine. A modern Molly Malone in the same piscatorial pattern. Oh, you again. All nice and fresh, cooked in this morning. You mean they won't have lost anything by not being under your bed all night? Now, don't be cheeky, big boy. There you are, traceful. Now, look, the deal was that I could take the barrow back when it was empty. You keep filling it up again. Keep your shirt on. You can fill them at any price you want now. No kidding? You mean even lower than Lippman? What could be lower than Lippman? Sell them at any price you like, big boy. Marge Willis, you're about to see modern American business methods go swinging into action. With previous permission to drop the price on vegetables, Cannon now offered the passing shoppers a bonus pack. Shellfish at a shilling a quart, provided a certain quantity of greens were bought too. In an hour, the barrow was empty. Cannon reflected that not even Marge Willis, with her wealth of experience, could have done as well as he. And so, with light heart and light barrow, he proceeded quickly towards number 27 Needle Street, South Walthamstow. He opened the doors of the stable, went to Jenny the jackass, and parked the barrow for the night. Cannon then deemed it expedient to report his dismissal from duty to Marge Willis. And where can she be? Under the bed with the winkles, maybe? Hey, Marge! You in there? Oh, not here. Better leave a note for her in the afternoon's cash. Now, where can I put it so it's going to be safe? I know, with the winkles under the bed. Nobody's going to look there. Better pull the bed to one side. Yeah. Oh, no. Wow. Buster, I, uh, I don't know who you are, but somebody went to work on you with more than a winkle pen. Oh, he's dead all right, cold dead. His body's been under this bed for a few days. Mr. Cannon? Mr. Cannon? Marge. Cannon? Uh, I'm here, Marge. What are you doing in there? Gotta pull the bed back where it was. What are you doing in my room? Uh, I, uh, I just got here. I, uh, I came to leave a note to say I'd finished early and to, uh, to leave the cash from this afternoon's tank. You didn't monkey with my things, did you? Oh, I should say not. What do you think I am? All right. Don't come in here again. You can leave the money on the mantelpiece and scarf. Um, what about tomorrow, Marge? Be here the same time. And wait in the stable. Okay. Uh, I told you I could offload that stuff if you brought the price down, didn't I? You done all right. Off it now. I've got things to do. You're the boss. So long, Marge. Uh, don't forget to cook the winkles. You might get lonesome without them under the bed. Mm 
Uh, hello, please? Now, listen, my name's Cannon. Yeah, Cannon, that's right. And I'm speaking from a phone booth in South Walthamstow. I work at a place called Assignments Unlimited. The phone number is Grosvenor 5995. Yeah, 5995, that's it. Now, listen, I'm going there right away. The address is 33 Half Moon Street, and I'll stay there until you call. Listen, I've just come from number 27 Needle Street, South Walthamstow, and there's the dead body of a man under the bed. He's good and dead, and he didn't die from natural causes. An hour later, we received a visit from a police inspector who, having questioned Cannon carefully, delivered the information that number 27 Needle Street and the stable were empty at the time of their visit, and no dead body was under the bed or anywhere else on the premises. With a terse good night, the inspector left. But I don't get it, Chief. I just don't get it. You were standing in the sun all day. Oh, don't give me that, Chief. You know better than that. Look, the guy was there as large as life. Well, you know what I mean. His legs were bent underneath him. As though they'd been broken. Yeah. Hey, you think it could have been uh, Marge Willis's husband? Perhaps. Well, what will you do now? Well, I've got to keep a date with Carl and Langley. If 27 Needle Street was empty, they won't know of the police visit. And I don't want to arouse anybody's suspicions. What's Karen Langley got to do with it? Plenty, unless I'm a Dutch uncle. Look, Chief, while I'm gone to the Haymarket, can you get Penny Fairweather to ring around the hospitals? To check on a man admitted with two broken legs? That's it. Now, if the result is negative, you can carry on from there with Chief Inspector Bottomley of the yard. But he's not the murder squad. No, I know, but he's a member of your club. That means he'll listen to you. If you draw a blank on Willis in the hospitals, I want a few plainclothes men around in Walthamstow High Street tomorrow. Well, what you want them to do? Make an arrest. The police said the stable was empty. That same stable contained a barrow and a jackass, or donkey, whatever you call it, when I left. So? Marge Willis alone couldn't pull that barrow. Not if it had a corpse hidden on it. But the jackass could. And that's how she got rid of her late, unlamented husband. Well, it shall be as you say. But why do you suspect Karen Langley? I was very green not to have seen it before. I had a feeling all along that something was phony. Look, check the hospitals first, Chief. I know you'll draw a blank, and then the police can act. Well, this seeing you, I'm about to whine and dine a deadly dame. And I know what a victim of Lucretia Borgia felt like. Play it cool, Cannon. You bet, Chief. I'm not all that green. Cannon concluded his dinner without incident. And I had an urgent talk with Inspector Bottomley when the calls to the hospitals revealed no accident patients with two broken legs. Cannon's day to the market was repeated in the same pattern, but this time, after Carmen Langley had made a purchase of the wealths, a double the price they were offered elsewhere, the police closed in and arrested her. An inspection of the shellfish she'd purchased revealed not an edible sea snail, but a horde of small diamonds, one to each shell. Karen Langley was a runner for a notorious receiver of stolen goods. This was their method of passing the stolen jewellery along. A method that might have gone undetected forever had Willis not had that accident with a lorry. Yes, it was an accident, but he was killed outright. If the news of his death had leaked out, Marge would have lost the corner stand, and the lucrative cover of Welks and Greens would have been lost with him. It was Karen's own cover story that worried Cannon. If she did buy foodstuffs for hotels... Why pay double the price and why only Wilkes? Why not Greens? So now you know why the story was called Green for Danger. <laughs>